Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Well, we welcome you here to Crosslink Community Church on this Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate the reality that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life for us on the cross, and three days later, just as he said he would, he rose again from the grave. And so we welcome you to Crosslink. We celebrate him today, and we are so thankful that you are here to worship with us today. I want to take just a brief moment today, and uh, if you would, turn around and kind of look around you for a moment and give each other a hand clap today. Can you do that? You made it here. You got here. You, you, you ventured into the parking lot or into the grass or into the fairgrounds. You got kids checked in. You got here and maybe got a seat immediately, and now you're enduring the heat. And so we welcome you here to be a part. Uh, it'll take about 10 minutes, and the AC will level out in here, and we should be comfortable. It might be just perfect for me because it'll be a little bit colder today uh, because it's so warm. But I am so thankful that you are here to worship with us on this Lord's Day. As I thought about uh, today being a special day for us, having three services here at Crosslink at 8 o'clock and 9.30 and 11, I was reminded of the story of a family that made their way to their church for Easter Sunday, and they were doing what we do, and that is they were having three services on this big day at 8, 9.30, and 11, and so they showed up for church, and frankly, they already experienced kind of a little bit of an Easter miracle, and that is that they arrived to church early. It almost never happens, but they got there, and, and the little girl in the family, she kind of had some time. So instead of just hanging out with mom and dad, she began to walk down the lobby and check things out that she'd never seen before. And suddenly she, she noticed a plaque that caught her attention, and out of the corner of the pastor's eye, he could notice that she began to zero in on something on the wall. And so he went over to her and, and he said, well, what is this that you're looking at? She said, I'm not sure, Pastor. She said, there's all kinds of names of people that I've never really met before. And, and she said, what is this? And he looked at it and he said, oh, honey. He said, these are the names of men and women, heroes who've died in the service. And her eyes got big. And with the concern of a child, she asked honestly, was that the 8 o'clock service, the 930 service, or the 11 o'clock service? Hopefully that's not the case here today, but I do want to talk to you about death, but I also want to talk to you about life and the resurrection. From John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, will you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 11 this morning as I preach to you on the subject, more to life, more to life. Of course, we know Resurrection Sunday, or specifically today, Easter, is a time that we have come to understand and anticipate and even expect certain things culturally to be true. Perhaps when you think of Easter, you think about the various egg hunts that would take place, or you think about the candy and the delicious treats that you might enjoy later. Perhaps you think of all the spring apparel, and I see more people in ties than I have ever seen at Crossland Community Church here this morning. And you think about perhaps getting together with friends or family or neighbors or coming together for a delicious meal, and there's all sorts of things that are accompanied with what we know today as Easter. But I believe wholeheartedly what God is wanting us to see is that Easter is so much more than that. Easter is about the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the resurrection and the life. And because he is the resurrection and the life, it impacts our lives today. 
Many people get caught up and hung up with all the issues of the past and the hurts and the challenges and the disappointments of the past. And sometimes we even get caught up looking at the unknowns of the future to where we're overwhelmed with uncertainty and with fear. And I believe what God wants us to see this morning is that there is more to life in the present. There's more to life now. There's more to life today because right now in 2019, just as Jesus said in John chapter 11, it's still true, he is the resurrection and the life today. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus came to this earth to give us not only life, but to give us eternal life and to give us abundant life. There are many people who would read that statement about abundant life, and we would think, well, that means that Jesus is going to make us rich or Jesus is going to make us uh, prosperous in this world. But when Jesus promises abundant life, He's not just promising the physical things. He's promising spiritually that we'll have a life that's eternal and a life that's fulfilling and a life that matters. After all, the physical world, we can have everything this world has to offer. We can have riches. We can have name. We can have clout. We can have possessions and all those things, and yet inwardly still be as discouraged and defeated and depressed as anyone else in the world may be. When Jesus offers abundant life, He is offering a life ultimately of eternity and a life that truly matters. And I believe what God wants us to see this morning is that simple reality. There is more to life because of who Jesus is and because of what he came to give. There's more to life than the things that we see with our physical eyes. There's more to life than the various things that Hollywood says you've got to have to be important in the world. There's more to life than the images and stories that you see on social media. There's more to life than the hurts of the past or even the hopes of the future. There is more to life right here, right now, today, because of who Jesus is. This morning, I want to ask you, if you are physically able to do so, once you find your place or the words will be here on the screen in front of us, let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word from John chapter 11. Now, we're not going to read the entire chapter, but we're going to read some bits and pieces to help us understand the story of what is taking place in the gospel of John. The Bible says this beginning in verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, look down to verse 11, beginning in the second phrase. After that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. 
Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. And I thank you that Jesus gave his life on the cross for us and that he rose again from the grave and that today he's alive and well. Today he's offering more to life than any of us could possibly ever imagine. And God, I pray today that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our innermost being to be transformed and changed by the word that you speak to our lives today. And we will praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. More to life. Have you ever wondered if there was more to life? Sometimes we go through difficulties and we go through situations and circumstances, frankly, where we feel overwhelmed and we feel bogged down with those emotions and, and we just deal with all the pain and the suffering and we begin to question, will I ever get a break? Will things ever get better? Is there more to life than this? But they're not the only ones who ask that question. There are also some that go through the normal everyday routines of life. They have the same experiences, if you will, over and over again, the same work, the same job, the same tasks, the same relationships, and they just feel like their, their life is just this kind of endless cycle of the same old, same old, and they begin to wonder, is there more to life? It may come as a surprise to you, but even people who experience amazing success and having, have incredible stature in the eyes of the world, even they too ask that question, is there more to life? On a 60-minute interview many years ago, a famous quarterback of the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, was being interviewed after his third Super Bowl win. And he was being interviewed and asked numerous questions. And in the interview, Tom, Tom Brady began to talk about this exact thing that I'm speaking about today. He confessed in the interview, and I quote, Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what is. Listen to what he confesses. I reach my goal, my dream, my life, but me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27, and what else is there for me? The interviewer went on to ask the question, Tom, what is it that you think is missing from your life? To which Tom Brady openly confessed in the 60-minute interview, and I quote, I wish I knew. I really wish I knew. I believe there are many of us perhaps in our life, perhaps even here today, wondering that question, is there something more? There's got to be something more than what I've experienced and what I've felt. There's got to be more than what I've already come to know. Well, I believe what God is shouting loud and clear from John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 especially is, yes, without a doubt, there is more to life because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
I want us to consider this morning four truths about the fact of there being more to life. The first truth I want us to consider this morning is this. There is more to life than the final consequence of sin. There is more to life than the final consequence of sin. In John chapter 11, we have the story of of a man by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus had two siblings, two sisters named Mary and Martha. And the Bible tells us that these individuals were people, frankly, that Jesus loved. They were merely friends, but they were friends that Jesus loved and treated really like his own family. The gospel gives us other accounts where they were fellowshipping together and spending time together. Other accounts where Jesus was in Martha's home and they kind of did life together in many different ways. As the scripture unfolds in John chapter 11, Mary and Martha are there at Martha's home where Lazarus has become very sick. It sounds like the idea that he became very suddenly sick. He's not doing well. And so they sent word to Jesus. Jesus at the time was almost 27 miles away. And so they send a messenger to run to Jesus to tell him, Jesus, the friend that you love, Lazarus, you know, the one that you love like a brother, he is very, very ill. Now, I anticipate that Mary and Martha assumed that Jesus would drop everything and come running to Lazarus. They assumed that Jesus would stop what he was doing and immediately rush to their aid to heal him and and take care of Lazarus, and everything would go well from that point forward. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus made a very interesting statement in verse 4. That is, he told the messenger and the disciples around him, this sickness will not end in death, but for the glory of God. And in that, he sent the messenger on his way. The messenger goes back to Mary and Martha. Jesus continues ministering in that same region for the next two days. And the Bible tells us that when the time came, Jesus looked at the disciples and says, now it's time to go. Now it's time to move on. Now think of this for a moment. Jesus has said, this sickness will not end in death. But as Jesus and the disciples are making their way to the city of Bethany, he begins to explain to them in verse 14 this simple statement. Lazarus is dead. But, but wait a second, Lord. Didn't you say this would not end in death but in the glory of God? And now you're telling us that Lazarus is dead? In fact, the Bible tells us by the time that Jesus gets there, Lazarus has not only died, but his body has been prepared for burial. They have had his memorial service. They have buried him in a tomb. There's still countless people there grieving and weeping. Even Jesus would be moved with compassion later where Jesus would weep and he would grieve. And we get the picture of this incredible, overwhelming pain. I would imagine today that every single one of us can identify with the hurt and the pain that they were experiencing in John chapter 11. I imagine that every single one of us here today have gone through the pain of, of knowing a loved one or a friend, a, a neighbor, a coworker, someone that we care for, someone that we're close to who is, who is sick, and, and it just seems like they're struggling and they're getting weaker, and then suddenly they pass. Have you ever been there? That's where Mary and Martha, that's where the people were in that moment. We said, Pastor, why do you say that there's more to life than the final consequence of sin? I think it's important for us to take a moment to realize why death is even in the world. Death is a consequence, a byproduct of sin. God is not the author of death. In fact, God created man in the Garden of Eden and desired that man would live with him in perfect fellowship forever. 
God created us to know him, to walk with him, to enjoy relationship with him. But God warned Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve so many years ago in the garden. Literally, if we would walk with him, we would experience life. But if we reject him and did our own thing, we would sin and therefore experience death. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, listen to what the Bible says. God told Adam, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely what? Die. You'll surely die. And of course, God in that moment gave Adam and Eve a choice. They could obey God and experience the blessings of that, or they could disobey God and experience the consequences of that. Of course, we know the story. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They chose their own path. They went their own way. They rejected God. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. In other words, I think what God is wanting us to see, understand this morning is we may not like it, we may not want it, we may not want to embrace the reality of that, but here's the fact. The fact of the matter is this morning is that if you and I were in Adam and Eve's shoes way back when, I'm convinced we would have made the same decision they made. Someone say, well, that's not fair that Adam and Eve would sin and that would pass on to every single man and therefore sin has entered the world and now death as a consequence of that. That's just not fair. Here's the reality. I would guarantee there's been at least one moment in your life where you too knew what was right. You knew what God was wanted, wanting, but instead you chose your own path you chose your own direction. Even if it was just one, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We understand even at the earliest of ages, when we sin, when we disobey, when we go our own way, there are often the consequences, aren't there? A child even can understand if they're told to obey, they're told something to do or told something not to do, they know if they disobey, there will be a consequence. In the early service this morning, there was a little girl about four or five years old, and she was nodding, and she said, that's me. <laughs> it's ama- Even as adults, we understand, listen, if we get in our vehicle and get on the interstate, and we put the pedal to the metal, and we're flying down the interstate, we know there's a consequence that comes, do we not? Some of us know anyway. There's a consequence. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, the payment for sin, the consequences of sin is death, the Bible says. And so I believe what God is doing is he's showing us in John chapter 11, as Jesus shows up on this scene where there's death and there's, there's been grief and there's pain and there's torment and all these different things, Jesus is showing up to say, you don't have to wallow in your misery. You don't have to be overwhelmed with this death. You don't have to grieve these things because I am the resurrection of life. And I came to show you that there's more to life than simply the consequence of sin. Now I realize that if we don't like to talk about death, none of us do. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. It scares us, and and we think, oh, that's not going to happen to me. But please understand, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this comes the judgment. I don't like to think about it. I don't like to talk about it. But here's the reality. Whether I like it or not, it's coming. So what's important is that we prepare for that moment. What's important is that in this moment while we do have life, that we recognize the things that matter beyond this life. Jesus shows up in this scene and he's in essence saying, I am greater than sin and its consequences and I am the key to discovering that there is more to life. 
Jesus shows us there's more to life than simply the circumstance of our sin. The second thing I want you to see this morning is this. Jesus shows us that there's more to life than even the circumstances that we are in. There's more to life than the consequences of sin, but there's also more to life than the circumstances that we are in. Jesus and his disciples make their way to the city of Bethany. By the time they get there, Lazarus has died. Lazarus' body has been prepared. He has been buried, and people are all grieving. Now, I want you to consider for just a moment the overwhelming circumstance that Mary and Martha found themselves in. Remember, Jesus had said, this will not end in death, but it's here for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. So I imagine as the messenger comes back to Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha had great anticipation, great hope, great even excitement. Hey, Jesus said this isn't going to end in death, so so that means Lazarus is going to be healed. He's going to be okay. He's going to be all right. So Mary and Martha sit by the bedside. But as they do, they find that Lazarus is just getting sicker and sicker, weaker and weaker. But, but, but wait a second, wait a second. Jesus said this is not going to end in death. I mean, he's going to be made whole. He's going to be okay. He's going to, he's going to have life. We don't know how, but Jesus is going to do this. And so they're watching and they're waiting in anticipation that my brother's going to be okay. But it didn't happen. The miracle didn't come. The healing didn't take place. Lazarus died. So they take his body, they prepare him. They go through the entire memorial service and Jesus is still nowhere to be found. But he said this wasn't going to end in death, but my brother's dead. He said this is going to lead to the glory of God, but where's God's glory in this? You see the circumstance they're in? God, I want to believe you. I want to believe your word. I want to believe this is true, but I don't understand this. I can't make sense of this. I I can't see how this leads to your glory. I can't see how this equates to Jesus' word that this one in death. And I want you to see they are in a circumstance. They're in a time of difficulty, a time of a circumstance, frankly, where the emotions were overwhelming, the fears were overwhelming, the uncertainties are overwhelming. They're in this place of hurt and and frustration. They're in this place of, of uncertainty. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in such a circumstance, frankly, that you were, your mind was full and your, your thoughts were racing, you just didn't know what to do? Even last night as I was home, I, I received a phone call and, and received a message, and even by that message, immediately I felt like I was in a circumstance. Immediately I was in that moment of, God, what, what do I do with this? I don't know how to respond to this. God, God, and those things began to consume your thoughts, and they began to consume the emotions that are going on. They're overwhelmed in this moment. So Jesus begins to make his way to Bethany. By the time he gets there, it's been four days. Martha hears that Jesus is on his way. And so she rushes out of the house to meet him. Now, someone said, well, why why did she go out there? In Alabama, this is how we said it. Because she, she had a lot she wanted to get off her chest. She was going to speak her mind to Jesus. Hurt, overwhelmed, grieving, confused. Man, it's so confusing. Jesus shows up. She meets Jesus out of the, out of the house. 
And she doesn't say, oh, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you're here. She doesn't say, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you've come to care. And we know that you love us. Jesus, we believe your word. What are you going to do? No, here's what she said. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, it's your fault. You showed up too late. You didn't intervene the way that you said you would. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. Jesus, I don't understand this. I can't make sense of it. It's your fault. You should have been here. Have you ever been in that moment where you were so overwhelmed with grief and so overwhelmed with hurt, so overwhelmed by your own emotions and circumstances, frankly, that you could not see what God was doing in the moment? Have you ever been there? It's a painful thing when a loved one passes. It's a confusing thing when we can't make sense of it all. It's a painful thing when we face all these different things. But please understand wholeheartedly this morning what God is wanting us to see is we all face circumstances. We live in a sin-cursed, broken world where there are circumstances and there are trials and there are challenges all around us. When sin came into the world, it promised pleasure and enjoyment. It did deliver on that, but it also brought pain, death, and destruction in, in unimaginable ways. That's why Job would literally say in Job 14, verse 1, man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. In other words, we shouldn't be surprised when we face circumstances. We should be surprised when we don't face circumstances. So here is Jesus in this moment. Jesus initially doesn't even say anything to her. She's accusing. She's upset. She's experiencing these emotions. You kind of get the impression that Jesus is just kind of looking at her. You kind of get the impression from his look. He's kind of saying to her, Martha, I know you don't understand, but I'm here. I know you have questions, but I am the resurrection of the life, and I am here. I know your hurts, and I know your doubts, and I know your pain, and I know your grief. I know it's real, but I'm here. And because I am here, there is nothing that can't be done. Martha looks back at Jesus and she says, well, even now I know that whatever you ask will be given to you. And it's at that point we learn another truth. Yes, Jesus tells us that there's more to life than the consequence of sin. There's more to life than the circumstance that we're in. But there's also more to life than even the conclusion at the very end. Listen to what happens in verse 24. Martha said to him, I'm sorry, Jesus says in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother, Lazarus, will rise again. Now, of course, she's so caught up in the emotions of the moment, she misunderstands the message. So she says in verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. There is more to life than the conclusion at the end. Once Martha remembers who is there with her and recognizes that Jesus is greater than her circumstance, Jesus gives her a word of encouragement. He says, Martha, be encouraged, be of great faith, be, be, be mindful, your brother will rise again. And she, though, jumps to her own conclusion. Martha understood Old Testament teachings. She also understood the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus of what would happen to these bodies after we die. 
Now remember a moment ago we said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after this comes the judgment, right? In other words, there is life after this. And the Bible tells us about what will happen to our bodies that are buried and laid into the grave. It tells us what will happen in the end. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. He said this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. In other words, what the Bible is telling us is that at the very end, what Martha calls the last day, the Bible tells us literally our bodies that laid in the grave, they will be brought out of the grave. And those who believed in Jesus and those who've accepted the gift of eternal life, we will be given a glorified body, a perfect body, without the spots and wrinkles and blemishes that we have today. Hallelujah. Looking forward to getting rid of some weight, okay? That's going to be awesome. And no gray hair. That's my interpretation of it. But the Bible also says of those who rejected Jesus, those who did not believe in Jesus, they too will receive a body, but their body will experience the torment of hell for all eternity. So Jesus says, Martha, I want you to know your brother, he's going to rise again. And she said, oh, Lord, I know. I know I'm going to see him again in heaven. I know we're going to be together in eternity. I know that day's coming. And even though she knew the future, it brought, frankly, no hope to her present. Please understand what was happening with Martha is this. Martha missed what God was doing because of the hurts of the past and what she saw as hopelessness of the future. She knew that heaven was coming, but she felt like heaven's so far away, Jesus. There's so long to wait. I, I know I'm going to see him again, but that's such a long time from now. Please understand this morning that the pain of the past prevented her from seeing what God was wanting to do. He's already died, Jesus. That's it. His life is over. There's nothing that can be done. But then also her limited knowledge of the future caused her to misunderstand. She was stuck, caught between the disappointments of the past and the discouragement of waiting for the future. But Jesus speaks as if he's saying, Martha, don't be consumed by the past. I am still in control. And don't get so focused on the future that you have no hope in the present. For I am the resurrection and the life. I bring hope and I bring peace and I bring joy and I bring life and I bring fulfillment and I bring purpose to your life, not just to the yesterdays, not just to tomorrows, but I bring it today in the present right now because I am the resurrection and the life. There's more to life than the circumstance of sin. There's uh, the consequence of sin. There's more to life than the circumstances we're in. There's more to life than just the conclusion at the very end. Why is there more to life? There is more to life, fourthly, because of the life that Jesus gives. There's more to life than because of the life that Jesus gives. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? There is more to life today than death and circumstances and even heaven in the future because of who Jesus Christ is today. He was and is the resurrection and the life. And wherever he is, God's resurrection power is available in the present now. It is through Jesus that we can experience the gift of eternal life. It is through Jesus that we experience the joy of abundant life. When Jesus says in verse 26, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, 
Jesus had already established the fact that because of our sin, physically, there would one day be a death. Physically, one day, I will breathe my last breath. Physically, one day, I will see my last sight and hear my last word. Physically, one day, this body will die. The Bible says there is an after this. For those who have experienced by faith the gift of eternal life, the Bible tells us very, very clear, we will live for all eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even though this physical body may die and this physical body may come to an end, Jesus says we will never die. That's his promise. There is more to life because of the life that Jesus gives Listen to the way the Bible says it in John 3, 16 and verse 36. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He who believes in the son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the son will not see life, for the wrath of God abides on him. Look with me for just a moment, if you will, at the remainder of John chapter 11. We're going to skip down to verse 38. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He had said this would not end in death, but for the glory of God. Notice what happened in verse 38. Jesus, if you're the resurrection and the life, what are you going to do with Lazarus? Listen to what the Bible says, verse 38. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord... By this time, there will be a stench, for he has, been re- he has been dead for four days. I love how the King James says it. It says, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you, what's the next word? Believe, you will see the glory of God. So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. Listen, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus, I, I don't have, uh, Father, I don't have to pray out loud to you in this way, but I'm doing this so that everybody around me will know that I am who I say I am, and I'm doing what I came to do. He's saying this so that us sitting here at Crossland Community Church in 2019, we can hear it, and we can know it, and we can believe it. Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I admit, turn my page here, verse 43. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth. Wait a second. He's dead, Jesus. What do you think's going to happen? He stinketh. <laughs> he does stinketh. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him. Let him loose and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. I want you to consider for just a moment as I wrap up three things that Jesus was doing in this moment. Three actions that took place. Number one, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It's that simple, isn't it? Lazarus died. His death was public. His memorial service was public. They put him in a tomb publicly. Four days later, his body's stinking. Everybody knows he's dead. 
But Jesus shows up on the scene, and at three words, Lazarus come forth, immediately the one who had died, the one who had been buried, the one that they had all witnessed, immediately he came forth and was standing before them, that he had breath in his lungs and he had life in his body. Immediately he was raised from the dead. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection of life who can not only change your past and not only change your future, he can change the present. He raised him from the dead. Secondly, Jesus released him from his bondage. Lazarus comes forth. But if you know anything about the way they prepared their bodies in that time, literally his entire body was wrapped from head to toe in grave clothes. Oddly enough, swaddling cloths, which by the way was what they wrapped Jesus in when he was a baby laid in a manger. Lazarus is wrapped in these, these grave cloths, this, these symbols of death, these symbols of, of his life being over, that there was no hope. And while he was alive and breathing, he couldn't walk forward and he couldn't be uh, experience the new things that God had for him. He couldn't experience it because he literally was restricted. Jesus said, listen, loose him. Take those things off of him. He's alive. He doesn't need to wear those grave clothes anymore. And let him go. Let him experience the life that I've now given him. Let him experience the Father's plans and purposes for his life. Let him go forward into this new life that he has been given. Loose him and let him go. Pastor, why is that important? It's important for this reason. Yes, what happened to Lazarus is a physical, actual fact. Jesus raised him from the grave. But I believe in that God is providing for us a picture of the miracle that happens when a person believes in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death, and literally, physically, while we might be moving and breathing and talking and interacting, all those things, spiritually, we've all sinned against God. Spiritually, without believing in Jesus, we might be moral, and we might be well-intentioned, and we might love our fellow man, and we might try to do a lot of good works, but please hear me. Physically, we can be alive, and spiritually, we can be dead in our trespasses and sins. You might be the best appearing Christian in all the world, but if you have not yet believed in Jesus Christ as the resurrection of life, the Bible says you are already dead in your trespasses and sins. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, spiritually what God does is this. He raises you, he gives you brand new life, and he loosens you from the things of the past. He loosens you from the things you used to be, the things you used to do, the things you used to like, the places that you used to live your life consumed with. He loosens you from those things. And the Bible says he makes you a brand new creation to walk in a brand new life. Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way in verses 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Does he do this because we're so good? Deserving? No. It is by grace you have been saved. Listen to this. And raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as Lazarus was raised from the dead, and loose so that he could walk in this new life that Jesus had given him. I believe what God is wanting to show us is spiritually, the very moment you believe in Jesus Christ and confess that he is the Lord and Savior of your life, he literally gives you brand new life, and he loosens you from the things of the past so that you can walk the life that he's intended for you. The last thing I want you to consider is this. 
The third thing that Jesus did in this moment is that Jesus revealed who he is. In other words, his action gives proof that he is who he says he is. Verse 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Verse 43 through 44, what did Jesus do? Jesus did the impossible. He spoke the word and raised the dead back to life. But can I say to you the greatest evidence and the greatest proof that Jesus is the resurrection and life is not what happened in John chapter 11 many, many years ago. The greatest proof that Jesus is who he says he is happened eight chapters later in John chapter 19 and then in the John chapter 20 when Jesus, the Bible says, willingly laid his life down. He didn't even open his mouth to defend himself. He willingly laid down his life on the cross. Not because he deserved it, not because he had sinned, but because we had sinned. He willingly gave his life for us. They took his body down off that cross and they anointed his body for the burial and they cleaned it up and then they put him in a tomb and they put the stone over that tomb and then they put a Roman seal over that stone so that nobody would tamper with it or mess it because the government wanted to do everything they could to keep that from happening. But three days later, just like he said he would, Jesus rose again from the grave. Death couldn't defeat him. Sin couldn't touch him. Hell couldn't overcome him. He rose again from the grave. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. But did you know there's another proof besides Lazarus? And even besides the resurrection, proving to us that Jesus is who he says he is? That other proof that happens happens personally in each of our lives when we respond through faith and belief. Jesus is the resurrection of life. He said he was, he proved he was, and his claim, I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. That is still true for today. There's only one question remaining, and it's a question, frankly, that only you can answer. I can't answer it for you. Your godly grandmother can't answer it for you. Your spouse can't answer it for you. Your parent can't answer it for you. Here's the question. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Verse 26, here it is. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Well, I'll go to church. That's not what I'm asking you. Do you believe this? But wait a second. I, I'm good to people and I'm kind. And I, Do you believe this? My grandfather was the greatest missionary. Do you believe this? When you stand before God one day in judgment, because after this comes the judgment, God's not going to ask you what Pastor Matthew believed. God's not going to ask you what your spouse wanted for you. God's not going to ask you how many times your parent brought you to church. Here's the judgment. Do you believe? Martha responded with conviction. Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ. That is the Savior 
the Son of God, who has come into the world, even for me? That's the question. Do you believe this? Can you just bow your heads with me in a spirit of prayer? There is more to life than all these other things. There's more to life because of eternal life that comes only through Jesus Christ. This morning, if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I am saved. I am a Christian. I'm so thankful for God's grace in my life. I'm so thankful to know there is more to life. Maybe you're just here and you'd say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I have been saved and I have been encouraged by this message. I have been strengthened in my faith and just reassured of the joy of abundant life and eternal life today. Pastor, that's me. If that would be you, would you just slip up your hand? Pastor, that's me. By God's grace, I'm saved. God's encouraged me today. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Secondly, today, and for me, most pressing at the moment, is that question, do you believe this? If you're here this morning and you're depending upon anyone else to make this decision for you, if you're depending, frankly, on your good works, I mean, your good efforts, so that you can experience eternal life, I'm telling you, they're not enough. The key to us experiencing that gift of eternal life, the key to us knowing with conviction that truth in our life, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, is for us personally to believe. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. If it meant that every single one of you would make that decision to believe in Jesus, I would willingly lay down my life right now. I so desperately want us to be right with God, to know salvation is real, that heaven is our home, that we are forgiven and saved to walk a new life. I so desperately want that for you, but I can't make that decision for you. So I'm asking you, today will you believe this? Today will you personally say yes? With conviction like Martha, will you say, Jesus, I believe you are the Savior, the Son of God, who came into this world to save me. Will you believe that? Will you confess that? This morning, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, that is me today. Today, today, I am ready to confess, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God, who died and rose again, who came into this world to save even me. This morning, if that would be you and say, Pastor, I'm ready to make that decision today, all over the building, as quietly as possible, I'm gonna count to three, and at the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to just raise your hand quietly, just raise it high. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I want to ask you to be honest before, before God today and just confess Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. So if that's you this morning, you're ready to make that decision to believe and to follow Jesus, on the count of three, would you just quietly raise your hand? One, two, three. Would you just raise your hand high, Pastor? That's me. Just leave it up for just a moment. Just leave it up for just a moment. God knows who you are. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done, and He knows what you've gone through. You can put your hands down. For those of you who raise your hand, I want you to know God loves you. And He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. He rose again, just like the Bible said, and today He invites you to experience the gift of eternal life. 
We experience that through faith. So this morning, if you just raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you should have, would you just talk to God right now? I know that might sound strange, and it might seem weird. Maybe you've never really done that before, but right now, even in your own heart, would you pray, and would you just say something like this? Would you say, God, I know that I have sinned. I know there are things in my life that haven't been right. But God, I believe you love me. And I believe that you came to show me that there's more to life than just my sin and the consequence of it. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again like the Bible says. And I believe that I can have eternal life because you said so in your word. And so God, I ask you today to forgive me of all my sin. I do believe that Jesus is the Savior. I do believe that he's the Son of God who came to save me. So God, I ask you right now, will you save me and change me? From this day forward, God, I want to live my life and follow you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.